Hey there, podcast listener. Welcome to Eat Half, Walk Double. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. This show is the chronicle of my four decades in endurance sports, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. And I certainly have met my share. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. Today's guest is a fascinating character study. My good friend Josh Ferentz is the most dominant figure in U.S. mountain ultra trail racing. You don't believe me? Just ask him. And yet he refuses to be defined linearly. To steal a line from Winston Churchill, he's a riddle wrapped in a mystery, inside an enigma that which is so dense and secretive as to be totally indecipherable or impossible to foretell. The moment you think you've got him pegged, he morphs into something entirely different, literally before your eyes. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for quite some time. Buckle your seatbelt, because this is going to be a wild ride. Here he is, Josh Ferentz. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I'm pretty stoked to be here. I'm really stoked. I'm really stoked to have you on the show as well. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to ask you a question that uh, I know the answer to uh, because uh, you y- you and I have uh, have had the opportunity to get to know each other a little bit over the last couple of years. You know, I actually I actually knew you. I knew who you were before I actually had an opportunity to meet you, and and so you know that because of that concept. Um, uh, I, I'm going to ask you a question that I, I'm sure the listener wants to know, right? Now, again, I, I know the answer to this question because, uh, again, I, I've had the opportunity to get to know you over the last couple of years. But so so here we go. And and in fact, let, 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 let's get the heavy lifting out of the way early. OK, let's let, let, right. let, me, let me answer the let, let me ask the most difficult question uh, right at the beginning. So so here's what I think is the most difficult question for you to answer. Right. Again, I be, because of your bio and, 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 and because uh, because of who you are, uh, here's the most difficult question. Who is Josh Ferentz? That's a better question is um, who is who am I? It depends on the day of who who you're going to get. Um, I am Josh Ferentz. I am a self-proclaimed number one ultra runner in the entire universe self-proclaimed but um no i uh i'm known mostly for running in the community and that's how we met um i'm known as a hater and that comes off a lot and it's probably going to come off a little bit now but in all reality i am the son of two amazing parents mark and Rhonda, and my grandparents are wonderful and they helped structure who i am today and a lot of like who am I really depends on the day. If it's race day, we have one person. If it's my, the educator, I have another person. Um, I have zero patience except for when I'm teaching young children because they don't know anything. So you have to be patient. I'm filling their brains. Um, at the first and foremost, I would love to say that I am just a lover and excited human being of all things. The ultimate optimist. I love I just love existing and I just love having fun. And a lot of my fun does come at others' expense. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, For sure. Yeah. And so 
you mentioned a little bit how we met. I met with the, with intentions to, I, I'm, I'm a kind of a walking controversy in the running world uh, because I say, I'm known for saying things and being pretty outspoken about my motives or what I feel and how I feel about things. Um, deep down, uh, you either love or hate me. And my dad always said, how do you want to be seen in the public? This is in high school as a hero or a villain. And I said, Harley Quinn seems to be pretty okay with the Joker. So <laughs> it depends on how you want to be seen. I'm diverting the question because it's one of those things where I'm still trying to figure myself out a lot of the times. Just had my 40th birthday. So all you masters guys are fucked. <laughs> so, um, sorry. But uh, no, I have a 40th birthday. I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful daughter. Um, I am a girl dad. I'm a girl coach. I'm a boy coach. I just don't have any boys right now. And I just love life. I am just a human that loves life and loves competing. And I love being silly. I love poking the bear. I love being a little bit of a pest. My mother tells me it all the time, but it's too yeah, I am. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, I think I really appreciate you, you, you kind of sort of setting it up for me, really kind of teeing it up for me. Um, you know, when I, again, when I, when I first, when I first, when I first learned of who you were, um, for me, it, it ended up being a little bit different person than the person that I got to know. Okay. Right. I mean, Hope I didn't disappoint you. Yeah, no, totally didn't, didn't disappoint me. In fact, in fact, it, it actually, I, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised because to your point, um, you know, my initial re interactions with you were, were all related to race day. I mean, that's, that, that's, I mean, as a, as a race director, that's and and as an occasional in, endurance athlete myself, um, that's those are my initial interactions with you. Um, and but the Josh Ferentz that I that I kind of got to know um, was was different than the Josh Ferentz that I that I knew from that I knew on race day. And so I and so I and I think you really you really described it uh, actually quite beautifully. I'm glad, too, that you mentioned that you mentioned coach, too, um, because I that that's a really important part of who you are. And, and I want to get into that a little bit, uh, tonight as well. But, um, so the follow-up question then is, and, and I think it's an appropriate follow-up question, um, really because of this dichotomy, be because of the fact that you are a walking enigma, um, that is, you know, what, what's something that people misunderstand about you? Um, now, and by the way, Josh, that's that that might be that might be people from any of these realms of yours, right? Race yeah. day realm, uh, you know, as the educator <laughs> or as the coach. Um, what's something people misunderstand? Uh, I think they misunderstand where I'm coming from. They do see an ego, and they do see uh, a lot of they call it conceited or cockiness, but they get that don't get that confused with confidence. If you're an insecure person, I'm your worst nightmare. I am your worst nightmare if you're insecure or jealousy. If you have any of those traits, I am your absolute worst nightmare because I'm incredibly secure and I, I envy. I have a lot of envy. I would love the idea of seeing somebody do something awesome and thinking I can do that too, um, which I think the only thing I can't do is give birth. I think I literally think I can do anything. Like, and I love that about myself because it's fun. It's a fun place to live. Um, and I oftentimes I get the, I got the question actually at the Loon Mountain race. Well, Hey, someone was like, what makes you think you're so awesome? I was like, why would you want to live in a world where you don't like, why would you want to ever live in a world where you're doubting yourself or thinking you're not your own superhero, be your own superhero of your own script. I just, I love, I want to be two things my whole life. And it was either a superhero or a professional athlete. And I, I, I mean, I did the professional contract, so I'm as, that's as close as I can get, but I just love to dream. I just love to have fun with it. Um, 
I didn't realize I have an amazing imagination. I really do. Like I can, I can scare myself in a swimming pool that there might be sharks. Like I can still do that at this age and get excited in the woods. And I just love, um, I love the combativeness and I love the adversarialness because it's all a game. It's just a big game that I love to play. And some people don't like to play games. And sometimes I come across as arrogant and cocky, but I will have a resume or I'll have a comment of why I feel that about myself. And I think that's really important that people miss that. They think like, um, you can hope and there's hopers and hinters. Like you can hope and hint about things, but I think hope is a weapon of the weak and there's only conquer. I love that quote because, Oh, I hope it goes well today. I hope it goes well today. Did you put the work in? Yes or no. Like if you put the work in, then you know what's going to happen. And then, yeah, you can hope after that. Uh, but I think a lot of people see me coming in. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. When I came to the mountain running world in 2004, I, I'm, I put, I put some, I put rent on people. Like I was in their heads at, as a college, just graduated college. I had people at the Northfield mountain race booing me and in a race, in a mountain race where people's everyone's so awesome. Yeah. It was, I had people booing me at the Northfield mountain race and I beat a man who's never been beat on American soil. And we turned out to be really good friends after that, but I got booed. Do you you want to drop names? Oh, he's such a good dude. Yeah. Paulo, you're such a good dude. I'm sorry. I had to, I I, I was, I I ruptured spines, man. I was going after it, but I wanted to make the mountain team. And I put, I put that out in the universe. I say a lot of things because I'm a true believer of you. Let's put it in the universe and the right person hears it. They can kind of help you along the way. That's why I'm, you know, repping Under Armour. Uh, I put it out in the universe. They, they like this attitude and this little, uh, I, have, I have a chip on my shoulder. I don't know why though. I don't know why I have a chip on my shoulder. I had like wonderful parents. I had amazing upbringing, but you lock me in a room with anybody. There's only one person walking out and I'm ready to find out who it is. Like that's my mentality. And I, so I, I'm not sorry for it, but yeah. So it, it, in a, in a, it, yeah, in a, in a sense that misunderstanding, it, you actually, you actually feed on that, on that energy. Right. I mean, when, when, right. When, when, when people don't get you, then, then that's exactly where you want them to be. Right. Yeah. I, like I, I came from and like, okay, I'm six, one 150 pound white kid. I get, I understand my demographics and my, um, my, I grew up just outside the New York city area and I watched a lot of New York city basketball. And I really thought I was going to the NBA. That's how delusional I was until a very, uh, really late in life that I realized I can't do that. But I, I came from a place where you dunk and you say something to somebody, you hit a three in somebody's face and you, you chirp, you chirp at people. And I, and I know it's immature and they say that now, but, um, Hey, beat me and say whatever you want. Like, that's I'm fine with it. Like say whatever you want after that. Cause you earned it. But I came from a different mentality where it was like, you, you kind of had to have a little grittiness and in the mountain world, like the races are insanely gritty, like the loon mountain race. I, 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 I hated that. It was so hard. It was such a, you have to race people and then you have to fight the course too. It was like, you just didn't get a break. And so it was tough, but I, I love that. I love the idea of being challenged. And like, at the end of the day, I'm really satisfied. If I, I could get a hundredth place. I don't, but if I gave my best effort, that's all I'm going to, I'll lay my hat on that. And I'll, you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. People earned it. Uh, but I think on race day, a lot of people, they try to embody this, like, I don't know. I don't even know what it's called, but like, oh, uh, like you talk, you hear about people talk about the race. Like, oh, I wanted to go out conservative. No, I came here to win and I'm okay with that. And people got mad that I said this. So when I hit the mountain scene, I think I was the youngest at the time. I think I was the youngest mountain team member ever to make it. I make it as an alternate, which I didn't know until I got to Italy, which I don't want to talk about that right now. Like that'll be next time. I'll get wild. 
but like, I, it was really neat to be, I put it out there. And so, um, people didn't want to bring me because I didn't have experience, but I was fast. And I don't understand that. Like the, the best part about our sport is the clock doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. You do your homework, you know, everything, our sport is so phenomenal because, um, when it's when people aren't watching is when you get your results. Like that's when you get the outcome is what you did when no one was watching you and you either did your part or you didn't. And having myself still in it, like you brought up the coaching thing. Like I tell my kids that all the time, what you do when no one is watching is going to make the difference. And I think in the mountain world, you, you know, two guys go by at the last upper walking boss, I had, I was losing by 90 seconds and someone, all oh, the race is over. I I heard that. I loved that. I loved hearing that because the downhill, I had a downhill left. You're in trouble, man. Like I'm 40 though. So like, I feel like there's a lot of young kids that might get me back, but that's okay. Hey, hey, let's, um, let's talk, let's talk about your coaching. So I, so w- w- what I want to do is I want to take those, th- those, those, those three parts of, 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 of who, of what makes Josh Ferentz, Josh Ferentz you know, the, the race day, the educator and the coach. And I kind of want to, I want to work backwards and I want to, I want to finish with, with, with Josh Ferentz, uh, the competitors. I get you, I got some questions about that, but let's start with, let's start with Josh Ferentz, the coach, right? As I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm really interested. I'm, I'm always particularly interested to hear how, um, elite athletes like yourself, um, are able to, um, convince young amateur athletes um, who most of them will not go on to become professional runners. How someone like yourself with, 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 with all the experience that you have is, is, is able to help a young kid is able to help convince a young kid. They're capable of doing something that they've never done before. Uh, how, how, how do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how do you, how do you make that? How do you make that happen? How do you convince a kid that, that she or he is able to do something they've never done before. First and foremost, elite is a mindset. So that it just, it's a mindset for a kid because um, I've coached kids that have been in the back of the pack, but they believed in themselves because elite, they had an elite mindset. And I, I'm a, I'll go to the grave with that. It starts with their brain. And so having, I, I really tell kids, I'm going to have youth believing that you can go through hell and back. You can touch fire after this. Why? Because I, if I, if you believe, if they believe in themselves half as much as I believe in them, that you know they're going to be super successful and make super gains. There's only one kid that's going to win a race. I get that. I've been fortunate where I've had some real talented kids, but it's not because of their physical attributes. It's because they put in the work, they mentally saw it, and they also have a. I want to say, I would love to say that I'm still in it. I'm still doing it. I'm still chirping it. I'm still talking it. And I think a lot of it is confidence boosting. Like I have, like I said, insecure people, like I have insane amounts of confidence in my abilities to coach because I've been surrounded by greater coaches and I'm just a sponge. I steal things that worked. I was able to, my father was the greatest coach I've ever had in my life in the greatest coach. Uh, uh, Dave Goldsmith at Keene High School saw a fire in a kid and let the leash off the dog afterwards. And then Pete Thomas at Keene State just continued this growth process. So I was able to steal like a buffet, the greatest things from all these different coaches I've had. And then joining like the uh, the ultra 
I'm sorry, the professional running world and working with, I sat at a meeting, which is hilarious, by the way, I sat at a meeting, they were talking about what are your Olympic aspirations? And I went to watch it on the couch with popcorn. Like, what are you talking about? But I'm at a meeting with, you know, Shayla Houlihan, Will Lear, Pat Casey, and then a whole slew of professional athletes that had bids to possibly compete in the Olympics. Seven of them did compete in our last Olympics. So I've just been able to be surrounded in a area where I'm able to tap into these people and back to the misconceptions. They, oh, Ferris is such a, you know, he's such a conceited prick. You and I are talking, we, we've talked about running. So I, I'm pulling things. I have my ego when it comes to running is gone. I don't have one. I'm going to take whatever it takes to help somebody else, whatever is going to happen. And a lot of it is mostly taking a lot of things that have just worked. It's pretty simple. You run, you read more, you become a better reader. You run more, you can build your running. And then what do we do after that? Um, I've just had great success. I'm in a gritty area. The area of Bellas Falls just has gritty people, just tough, just tough kids. Um, and recently the girls, I mean, we won a couple of state championships. The, the girls are just tough kids and they've been able to just put in the work and they believed in themselves. And that's mostly just pumping confidence into kids nonstop. They're so impressionable and they just take to that, uh, that positive attention so well. And I'm the ultimate, I'm so positive. Like people that don't like me, you can hang around me. It's fine. I, if you don't like me, I'm not gonna like you. That's plain and simple. But if you give me, give me a chance and you end up liking me, I'm gonna probably love you. Um, <clears throat> and that's just, that's just human nature. It's fine. People just, my energy is bright and aggressive. It's, it's a lot of energy in the room. My wife's exhausted 24 seven, just by sitting near me. But the coaching piece, I really want to say to kids, I'm going to believe, like you said, you said it, like, I'm going to make you believe you can do something that seconds before you couldn't, whether it's basketball, whether it's this, where it's that everybody has a job, everybody has a role, but it starts with believing in yourself and, you know, just promoting that superhero mentality, be your own superhero. Yeah. So coaches, coach habits, Mm -hmm. athletes, athletes create performances. So, um, with, 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 with that philosophy, what happens to you coach? I coach high performance habits, building, building and boosting high performance habits is back to the mindset, putting yourself in the best position. So my, the habits I promote the best are, you know, I might be taking the question differently, but breaking the race down, breaking the moment down. Let's be successful. Let's play that. And like, like when I coach, Basketball is a great, beautiful example because you can throw the ball away. It Okay, the turnover happened. The whistle blew. What are you going to do next? Play the next play. And in running, it's almost like you can ruin any race, the first 5% of the race by just being an idiot. I've done that. Go out way too hard, putting yourself in a poor position early and ruining your whole race. So getting kids to understand it, you know, under, what is that quote? Undertrained athletes always outperform overtrained athletes. Like that's their brain. I want the kids to be like a little bit questioning of where they are and just building the habit of believing in themselves, taking that step to maybe risk, make, make the risk, learn through burnt, learn through fire. Cause there's two sides to a sword. you got a one side sword. That's no good. You got to have a two sided sword. So one side's not as sharp. You got to get the other side involved. And I really, really love the idea of, you know, breaking some things down. Let's make the easy tasks went easy when they're easy. Let's do easy things when they're easy. And then 
you build those little easy tasks and over time, those easy things become harder, but you built enough of them where you can make a harder task easy, um, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, all those like really corny quotes. But the one I like is do the hard things when they're easy. And then when they're hard, you don't know that anymore. They're easy. A yeah, lot of yeah. it's just confidence. Yeah. I mean, the, what, the, the expression that comes to mind is, uh, yeah. you know, if, 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 if you've got to eat a frog, if you've got to eat a frog, eat it first thing in the morning. Yeah. And if, and if you got to eat two frogs, you eat the bigger frog first. <laughs> I like, I've never heard that one. I've you eaten do, a lot of crow, but I don't <laughs> you do, you, you do, you do the hard things first. So yeah. um, now not, not, not every race experience to, to, to your point, not every race experience is going to go as planned. I mean, you, you, you've had, your own personal experiences with disappointment in, in big events. Um, and you, you coach kids who've had, who've had similar disappointing experiences, whether it's on the court, um, or, or, or it's on the field. Um, as an adult with, you know, with, 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 with your years of experience and your wisdom, uh, you, you process disappointment a lot different than, a you know, then the 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid might. So how do you, how do you, how do you, as a coach, how do you help kids deal with disappointing performances? It's, it's like, well, well, understand that one person is going to win and that's okay. Like, and then we work ourselves backwards from there. Um, I had a girl this year who won all but three races this year. It was awesome. It was great. You have, you know, I had a girl that, um, was almost at the end of every single race. And so you have two different, two different athletes. Both of them gave every ounce of effort that they had just, they are at two different levels, uh, physically and just their, just their talent and, and talent is both mental talent, you know, other things, physical, every, the whole, the whole body. Um, it's just running like, and like now I'm like just in the running field, it's just running. And getting kids to just embody like, Hey, just give me your effort. Give me your best effort. Cause you're, and then after that, it becomes, and then it becomes coaching. Like, Oh, my legs were dead from the hill workout yesterday. Well, if you're going to do a hill workout the day before race, you know, you're not set up to be successful. That's poor coaching. Um, and I'm not saying coaches, you know, there's, there's days where I want to have the kids do a hard workout and then race on tired legs. And then when we taper down and you have not tired legs, you're, Oh, wow, I feel great. And then you feel awesome. Um, but I like the idea of disappointment is tough because if I have only had a few experiences where kids were disappointed, but they also didn't give a good effort. So that's a conversation is easier. It's like, you didn't give your best self. So I don't know why you would be disappointed if you didn't give your best self. I'm disappointed in the effort and you establish these relationships with kids and they really, once they trust you, I think for them to let you down is that's tough. They, I don't, really feel I experienced that much, but at the end of the day, you can silver line anything. And I think that's one of my, I don't know if it's the correct term, but like silver tongue, like where you can really like sing, I can, I can, oh shit. I sold myself to these companies. So I, I, I can do anything. No, you you won't meet anyone who has done more with less. That's me. I've done so much more with less than anyone you're ever going to talk to. And I talked about to the kids, like, so you have a disappointing day. It's okay. Hang your head. You got five minutes. I usually say you got about five minutes to be, to be upset, but then let's look at the body of work that we put in. This is a moment. This is one moment. You're not your past. You're not your future. You're this moment. And then at this moment, we're going to move forward. 
Yeah, your your philosophy is actually very similar to mine because you know we're as, bros. That's why we're bros. <laughs> as coaches, at some point, our, our athletes are not going to perform uh, up up to expectation. Um, and I always tell my athletes, uh, at, you know, a, after a disappointing performance, you got to do three things. Number one, you got to own it. Mm-hmm. Number two, you got to learn from it. And then number three, you got to move on. Now, I typically give folks twenty four hours. Like literally, I, 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 I would really prefer for them to take no more than 24 hours to, you know, to mull it over and, and to, you know, kind of, kind of soak in the emotion of that disappoint, disappointment. After 24 hours, if you carry that emotion forward, it, it only serves to disrupt your ability to move forward. Because ultimately, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, the more time you spend looking in the rearview mirror, in other words, the more time you spend looking backward, the, the greater the chances you're going to miss something really important right, right directly in front of you. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think, I do think it's reasonable, you know, to feel a little sting from a performance that maybe didn't go well, but there's always an opportunity for growth. And that opportunity for growth comes from learning from the experience. You know, what, what is, what is the takeaway? Do you, do you talk about, do you talk about learning uh, with, with your athletes, whether they're, whether you're your basketball players or your, your cross country runners or your track athletes. Yeah. All the time. Cause and like you said, I sound like I sound really super harsh. Like you got five minutes kid, but it's, but I say you have five minutes because we're usually out in public and I want them to, um, to start working on good habits of practice of being upset. But then also, like you said, owning it, we talk about ownership a lot and I, I appreciate you bringing that back up again. And so by them getting their emotions under control because they are kids, they are making steps in maturity. So it's like a win-win. You can like have them be mature. You have five minutes to be like super upset and dejected. I get it. But then after that, like let's work on some maturity steps and it's still okay to be bummed out, but let's, let's get composure. Let's put our armor up and be composed and then not forget that it happened and remember what we can work on next. And what are learning pieces? And sometimes whether it's, going out too fast or, go, you know, putting themselves in a poor race position. Um, the learning opportunities for, cause I don't, I don't only coach running now. I brought up the other stuff before because it was, that was an easy connection, but, um, and I think I'm getting away from your question a little bit. I apologize, but like the learning pieces, that's right. Right. Learning. Um, we, we talk, we, I like, I love to talk to the kids because if we continue to talk to them, it kind of, you can alleviate nerves that way. Like we have a big race tomorrow or like, Hey, let's talk about it. Hey, what's your, and just tell them what they're going to do. Not demand, but like, just make it statements, not questions. Like, Hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? Like, and don't like, no, it's, you're going to go out assertive. You're going to be, I like to say like, you're going to be aggressively mindful, but conservative physically. So your mind's going to be aggressive and you're going to like go out. You say that to a kid who's got lack of confidence and is going to really question themselves of like, what do I do? So Let's go out a little easier. So physically and mentally, they're like, okay, good. I have to go out in the front. But mentally, you're going to be looking at kids ahead of you. Who you're going to catch after the first four minutes. I would love to hear from someone who's nervous during the race. No, the gun goes off. We're good. Just shoot the frigging gun, man. That's it. And I know there's some of these kids that are out there a while or even myself or like when we're out there, it's like if winning is the only thing that you're worried about, then I can see you being nervous, but most kids don't get caught up in be- their nerves while they're running. Right. Um, which Great. is pretty yeah. neat because you're, I mean, at that point you're immersed in, in the experience. Um, Josh, all, all, all great coaches are great educators, are great educators. Right. Um, and, oh. <laughs> well, they, uh, well, I, I think, I think history, I think history has taught us that. 
Um, you know, again, as, as, as coaches, we, what, what, what do we teach? We teach habits. Um, you, you, but you, you also had the opportunity to, to literally teach in the classroom. And, yeah. uh, I read, um, so you're a, you're a middle school science teacher. You'll, you'll correct me if I didn't actually get your resume spot on there, yeah. but, um, you're a middle school science teacher. And, uh, I read once where you said that, um, one of your motivations uh, uh, in teaching uh, is to be the teacher that you never had as a student. Yeah. Um, so, so let me so let me ask you this: when the when the uh, when the the favorite teacher award is presented every year, do all the other teachers at Bellows Falls Middle School hate you uh, for for winning it? Uh, 10 years consecutively well it, it's i literally had this conversation today yes it, um but you can do two things you can hitch your wagon to that train and be a part of whatever the excitement is of the kids have i love when they say like it's not a popularity contest of teachers yeah all right like my desk is on fire the first day of school I have yet to have behavior issues in my classroom. I just don't, I don't deal with it. Cause I also don't, my expectations are high. So I have the kids rise to my expectations as well. They're little kids. They're 11 and 12. Um, I work with some amazingly strong educators in the past. And like right now I'm connected with one woman and I, I was hateable. I was, I was actually hateable because I was loud. I, you know, I said things and the kids loved it. I don't know if they're learning anything at the time, but like, you have three minutes to capture a child's attention to, to, for them to make a decision, whether they're like, what's going on. My desk is on fire within three to seven minutes of the kids walking in. And now they know they're like amped up because the, the, the folklore is there. The folklore is there. I got asked a couple of years ago, do we play dodgeball with basketballs? We play a lot of dodgeballs. We don't use basketballs, but he lights his room on fire. Like it's like, I got parents stopping me being like, Oh, my kid's in third grade. It's like, dude, I teach sixth grade. You got a long way to go. And that sounds ego. That sounds ego maniac right now. But it, it's, if I'm doing a, I have kids actually get in trouble running in the halls because they're running to class because my first introduction most days is to capture lightning in a bottle with kids because if they're invested in trying to like pay attention, they might be invested to receive information. There's a lot of trauma in our area and a lot of kids that have a lot of things that are stopping them from being able to learn in the classroom. And it's super friggin' sad and it really charges me up. I don't have control what happens when they leave me. But when I'm in my classroom, if I can have it, like I said, like I, I'm trying to be the teacher that I'd want to, I'd want to have. And that I never had like, so I'm, if I can be magical or can do something, um, to capture a kid that day so they can just forget about maybe their life at home or the lack of food or whatever it is, the disruption in their day, I feel super successful. I had a huge mental shift the last like three to five years. And then COVID really helped that. My job is an educator to teach curriculum. It is to teach science. I'm fortunate where I'm teaching science, which has a lot of life skills built into it of just survival of the fittest, like how we do things, um, resiliencies of organisms. And so I really try to tap into the social emotional needs of kids. Um, kid doesn't do his homework. I, they, they know they need to do their homework. I don't need to remind them a thousand times and ridicule. Like I just, I, I just see 
and just that's like any athlete the same way. Like we, we, we thrive on constructive criticism, not criticism. Like you want to criticize and just, and that's like, that comes into the negative side of things. You start to run into, you start having kids build walls. You start having athletes build walls. You start having athlete coach relationship dynamic issues. Um, I want to, I want to do things that are dynamic and just be, like I said, the teacher I want to, I always wanted to have, or be the teacher that I'd like to have. And we do a lot of hands-on things. And like I said, I got kids running down the hall, like to, I can't miss what's going to happen in class today. I heard, you know, it's, it's bizarre. It's really, it's really fun and flattering and it makes my day fun. Yeah. Like, so I, yeah, I have so fun kids. Where, where, where did you get the inspiration? I mean, you, I mean, you, you, you made the point that you did you didn't have teachers like you when, when you were growing up. So where, what, like, where does, where does this come from? Where, where, where does this in inspiration come from? I, I had, I did have some really inspiring teachers, but they also left. I just took what I liked. I didn't, they also had some things where they yelled. I, I, I used to make this noise at my math teacher in middle school and she used to lose her friggin' mind and I would love it. I'm never going to let a kid get, get, do that to me. I'm not, I'm just, I'm never going to let that happen. I, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream because those are the pieces I'm going to leave behind. A lot of these kids are already getting yelled at. They don't need to be yelled at again. I don't need to do that. Um, I will talk sternly and I will talk fairly. I also will talk in a way and speak to them where they probably will never have that happen again. They don't want that to happen. I've established a classroom where respect is incredibly high because I give it immediately. I'm giving out respect before they've earned it. Um, they have a lot of freedom in my classroom and I think that's really important. They're, 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 they're treated like, cause they're 12 and it sounds ridiculous, but they're 12, but they think they want to be 15. They just have this like, but they still want to talk about, you know, Scooby-Doo and play with transformer toys. So they're, they're in this weird thing where they're just starting to dress themselves. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you're having kids dress themselves for the first time without mom or dad helping or grandma, whoever it is. Um, and I got that from just, it's boring if I'm not like, I'm just, I don't want to be bored in my job. And I, I think about it. I look in the mirror sometimes like the mirror test, like, is it me? Like what, why, like, why I just, why do I give a shit? But then I go to school and I have a great day with some awesome kids or some cool adults. And I just really, I just, I don't know what it is. I just, my dad always helped those in need whether they were like lack of education, lack of funds, lack of things. And it's not that we had a ton of stuff, but he was always hustling. I'm a hustler. So we'll get to hustling later. He was always hustling to help people. And I saw that. And I just, I saw the look on these people's faces that my dad helped at a really early age. And I can remember just seeing them feel better about themselves. And it seems super selfish, but now I feel better about myself when I'm doing some of these things with kids, knowing or thinking that I'm helping them. It makes me feel better about myself, which sounds super selfish, but I know that I'm helping. I just got a kid into college. She's she's going to an $85,000 school and she's going for like, I think she's paying three grand. Now I, she did all the work. I just, I just turned a light on and showed a pathway for her to walk down. I'm just super proud of her. I'm super proud of that kid. And, um, that was, I just, I just like, I just love the idea of helping people. I just yeah. like the idea. And yeah, yeah so, so next race, if someone wants to come at me, you got a wrong idea. Come so I, 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 I can imagine what a, uh, uh, what a, and, and I, because I, I've been there, I can imagine what a successful day, uh, as a coach looks and feels like, um, 
I can imagine what a successful day looks and feels like as a professional athlete, but what does a successful day look and feel like as a middle school science teacher? I'm not known for taking reflection time on things. I'm known for just like, bam, going. And so my immediate knee-jerk reaction to that was like a successful day at school is when I don't have to talk to any adults. I don't have to talk to adults. I just get to be with my kids. Now I work with, I work with a woman named Crystal Farnsworth. She's awesome. Like I, I, I want, like I'll like, she and I do team teaching. So that's a different type. Like we team teach a lot of stuff, uh, cross-curricular things. She's a uh, language arts teacher. I'm science. And so how they, we do a lot of stuff together, um, which really helps kids be more fluid because they can, they just see the practice was better. They see, te- they see teamwork and then they can, um, it just it helps both of us be better teachers. She's super organized. You got to see my desk. It's ridiculous. Like <laughs> I got towers. I'm not, I'm just stacks, stacking stuff. But a successful day at school is, is maybe getting a kid. Like today, I'll just say a kid at school today who I know is dealing with some um, at home issues of neglect. I'll just leave it there. We had a, we had a one, um, refused to do their work. Said, literally came to me and was like, parents, you look close, dude, little girl, I'm not doing this. I know why she's got, so she's got a thousand other things that then worried about. And we're talking about like, how do humans impact the environment? Dude, I, she doesn't care. I don't care. But the moment which was successful today was we got to sit together. She doesn't talk to any of the other adults. We sat together and she talked to me and she verbally gave me answers. And I said, you know what? I'm going to count this. This counts because it's a, we're doing standard base. It just, does she have the ability to communicate whether it's writing or verbally and us. That was, just, that was, uh, <laughs> that hold on. That was just a, that was a good, that was a good moment. It was just a good moment. Um, yeah. Cause, I, I, cause she doesn't come to school a lot and she came to school today and she had a group. And I asked her, did you have a good day today? And she just smiled and she went, yeah, I did. That's it. That's it. You know, I think your, your, your reaction to telling that story, I think is, uh, I, I think it's an interesting window um, into uh, the last part of Josh Ferentz that I want to talk about, which is uh, Josh Ferentz on race day. Because Josh Ferentz on race day, if he's nothing, he isn't about emotion. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now it now arguably it's a little bit different emotion, um, yeah. but it but it's but it's about it's about emotion, um, and I want to I, I want to recount. Um, uh, uh, a, I'm going to start a story, and I'll have you finish the story because you you actually were there. I was only watching, but I believe it was, uh, and I'll 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 never forget this moment. Um, I believe it was the 2012 Mount Washington Road Race. I want to say it was 2012, but it could have been 2013. I want to say it was 2012, but you'll correct me if, if I'm, if I'm, if I've got, if I've got it off by a year and I wasn't running that year, but I had, uh, but I had hiked up to be at the wall at the bottom of the wall. The wall is the last, I don't know, hundred meters or so of the Mount Washington road race. Um, and it's, it's an ungodly grade. I mean, it gets, it gets super, super steep. Like it literally, it, it looks like a wall at the end of the Mount Washington road race. And it feels like a wall. I mean, I, I have, I've, I've run it two times. So I, I had the experience not only of watching um, hundreds and hundreds of people run the wall, but I've had the experience of running the wall myself. And um, I, I, again, I'll, I'll never forget. I was, 
I was standing at the wall with my cowbell cheering, cheering people on. And, um, and here you come. And, um, right away when I, when I, when I first saw you, and again, I was right at the base of, of, of the, of the wall where I was, where I was kind of giving people cowbell and helping them get up the wall. Right. When I saw you, um, I saw, I saw a look on your face that I, I, I just had never seen before. Now I say that not because you'd never been in this place, um, physically, but because typically as a race director, um, when, when you had raced my races, I didn't really get a chance to necessarily always see you in action. I was always busy doing something, working an aid station or filling coolers or whatever in the world I was doing. I didn't really get a chance to actually watch you in action. Well, here I was, uh, at, at the, at the wall, having an opportunity to actually watch you in action. And, um, at that moment, when I saw you, and this was before you actually started up the wall, I thought to myself, you know, I've, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone dig as deep as he is digging right now. And uh, Joe Vijay, uh, our mutual friend oh, and, and fantastic do. photographer, Joe Vijay, um, <clears throat> I remember after the race, Joe Vijay had a, um, uh, had a series of photos of you on the wall. And you are literally, you are, you're, you're bear crawling up the wall. Like you had, you had dug so deep. That's embarrassing. That literally you had, you had, no, it's not embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story because, um, again, I, I'm not sure that I had ever seen anyone dig so deep that not only were you refusing to quit, um, but you were, you were bear crawling up the wall. Now here's the most amazing thing for me. The most amazing thing for me was that was for sixth place. At that point, <laughs> you knew you were off the podium. Okay. Yeah. And yet, and yet you were turning yourself inside out for sixth place. A lot of folks in that position would have said, screw it. And they, I mean, they would have, they would have continued to run, but there's no way, there's no way that the majority of those top guys would have done what you did that day at the Mount Washington road race to turn yourself inside out for sixth place. Do you remember that day? Yeah. That's the second time I fell on that damn wall though. Like, uh, so yeah, to recap, it just, I just, it's hard to explain because it's just, it's one of those, it's just energy and feeling. We can get spiritual after too. We can, I'll talk about it, but I just care. I just, I just care more. I, and I'll say that, I'll say it to anybody, like told me up with anybody, you can be fitter than me, but I want it more than you. I just believe that. And I'm not saying I run, like I race every day. Like it's your last race on earth. Like I don't, believe in that comment because what I'm planning on doing something tomorrow. Like I have that plan of, I went to a, a psychic. She said, I'm gonna live to be 98. I thought the same thing. So I'm not worried about life experiences being lacked. I'm just, but that I do remember that day. Um, it was a beautiful day. It was picture perfect. And I just, there was a couple, yes. The part that sucks is that, yeah, sixth place, man. It was like, like I said, turn I just had more in the tank. I just had something in the tank and I wanted to make sure I, I got it out. I didn't want to leave anything on that mountain or in a race where I, I know I have the effort to do more. There's races where not necessarily turn yourself inside out because they're, they're, I'm doing some longer stuff now. And so I, I kind of have to, you know, budget the, the hybrid car I got now, a little electric gas car. It's not all gas anymore. Um, but I think that that day I just, I just care. So I just, I, I don't remember. I just remember feeling so good and running so hard and just, and loving that, that pushing through. 
And I, I went down on all fours. I actually slipped. Like I had my hands on my knees and I was grinding and I was just, you know, you got sweat and I was dumping water on myself cause it was warm. And my, when you slip and it like, you lost the momentum. And I was like, are you kidding? And so I was just like trying to like, it sounds ridiculous. Primally just get myself back into this. Like, and I was almost trying to like rip the wall, like just grab it. I was so like angry. I run with emotion. I do like, um, I'm, I, I am, I, I, I thrive on hate. I, I know people, it doesn't sound right, but like, we're talking like Jedi hate, like star Wars stuff. Like I don't, I'm not hateful, but I just, I, there's gotta be a balance. If it's just love, I under, I love, I do that, but there's gotta be some worthy adversary worth overcoming. Like that has to be like, I have to have some, I got, I make a game out of things. Yeah. Well, let, let me, let, 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 let me give you another example. Now you're, <laughs> Your your race resume is is as impressive as anyone's. Well, thanks, um, man. Uh, yet yet th there was another race experience that you had that was really quite quite novel uh, and quite unique, even even for you. And uh, when I when I first heard that you were uh, <laughs> that you were going to attempt this feat, uh, I <laughs> I thought first of all I thought there's no way in the world he's going to make it back down the mountain to get on his bike to ride back up. Oh, what are you um, talking to you right now? You know I was gonna. You knew I was gonna. Oh man, this so, so 2000. Are you please? You got to tell the story of of the 2015 race to the top of Vermont. It's the it's the race up Mount Mansfield up the yeah. auto road right to the summit the summit of Mount Mansfield and that's that race is what four four miles a little over four miles yeah four point three to be, 4 point, to be nearly exact four point three okay so uh, so on the day of the race to the top of Vermont Mansfield mm -hmm. Mount Mansfield in Vermont there's a foot race yeah and then I don't know what hour it's sixty a, minutes a, okay sixty minutes <laughs> an hour after the foot race. Mm -hmm. is the bicycle race. Okay. Yeah. So now you had done the, you had done the foot race. In fact, I believe you had won the foot race in the past. You, you'd done, yeah. you had done the foot race before. Um, but you became intrigued by the, 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 the level of suffering, yeah. um, <laughs> of, of the folks on the bike. Cause the, just insider here, um, the race at the top of Vermont, um, you, you have to get yourself back down the mountain and, and yeah. people, Generally, generally speaking, people walk or run back down the mountain. So runners have the opportunity when they're running or walking back down to see the cyclist uh, racing back up. Uh, so, so tell me how this idea hatched that you were going to you were going to win the foot race. You were going to run back down. You're going to run back down four miles back down the auto road. Get on your bike, and you were going to and you were going to you were going to attempt to win the bike race as well. How did that all come about? Somebody said something. Like it, uh, it all, that, I flew across the country to Utah because someone put on social media, said something about me. And I was like, what race are you going to next? I said, dead horse ultra 50 K. I said, I'll be there. I flew across the country. I was like, I'll race you right now. Um, and this was more, a little more local and intimate. And it's just, someone said something because somebody did in the past and they missed the start coming back down and no, it could never be done again. And that's what was, and I, and of course I, I took it for granted. I was like, it's, it's four miles up, four miles down. It's easy. I'm going to run, you know, 30 minutes up and I'll obviously run faster down. And I, my big mouth gets me in a lot of trouble. I bet, I feel like if you can, if someone could find me not backing up my big mouth, like I'm fine with that. Like clearly when I said, lock me in a room, like some UFC, like meathead's going to be like, I'll fight you. Like, I get it. Like I get, I'm due for an ass kicking. I'm fine. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, Father time forgot about me too. So guess what? 
it's real good. That race is really cool because though, uh, also I didn't own a bike. I had to borrow my buddy's bike and the brake was rubbing the whole damn time on the ride up. So let's, let's clarify. Yeah. So I ran up really. And then I had to run sub six minute pace the last three miles down, which I didn't realize I, I, that's where my, I would say innocence, not arrogance got me in trouble because I didn't, I didn't really ride a bike ever. So my quads were shot from running down the mountain, but what was really cool was all the bikers saw me flying down. I did it twice. Like, and I did it faster the next time, but the first time I did, like, I didn't time budget correctly. Um, and I sprinted down the mountain and the bikers were cheering me on and I ran like the whole road down and it was really cool. Like the bikers were like rooting me on and like cheering for me. And I'm in short shorts and a helmet and bike shoes. I looked ridiculous, <laughs> but the next time, then the next time I did it, I think like 10 or 12 people signed up to do it also they were intrigued they were like oh this is nuts now they left it open and like they weren't competitive i, I think not that i'm saying they were competitive but they were the, the bike race started without them they didn't get to have their time added on so they might have taken um the next year i got up to the top but i took shortcuts down so I, <laughs> I had i got three minutes the next time i did it um but yeah somebody said something that it can't be done and just something ridiculous like just it doesn't take much man the wind blows right i get excited like you're not going to meet a more excited human about like my wife goes like this i'm bored i'll go throw three rocks off the porch and i'm great i'm not bored ever like i never get bored i'm like so that biker that was i mean you ride bikes i mean like i that was hard and then to find out the brake was rubbing like i didn't know at the time but like like i get to the bottom somebody's like oh your brake was rubbing the whole time i was like huh it was extra hard. So you've, you've, you've traveled and raced all over the world, uh, Switzerland, Poland, the Netherlands, Canada, Colombia. Colombia? I'm going to die in Colombia. Finland, uh, yep. oh, Italy. Yeah, um, argue, argue to me that Vermont isn't the center of the mountain ultra trail universe. Wait, someone's going to say it's not? Who said it's not? <laughs> Give me names. Give me, I, Vermont is an unbelievable where I live, I live in a town of Athens. We have two roads that go through it and it has per square mile, probably the best ter terrain to run in that I've, that, that I've been able to experience. And I, like I said, Columbia was dope. I almost died. I thought I was going to get killed. Switzerland was a, a, a magical. Finland was a, the sun never set. And like, I didn't realize how much I can thrive off of no sleep. Like it was amazing. The sun never, I, it was so awesome. Um, no, Vermont's really neat. It's it just got a different energy. It's just really cool. And where I live, I have, you name the terrain. I have it right out my doorstep. Every most 90% of my runs are from my doorstep right outside. And I have a 19 mile spine of trail with, um, hundreds of miles off of it, excuse me, of running trails, which are just single track, double track. They're phenomenal. Um, but like, yeah, how is it not? I, I'm just trying to be the fastest man in my town right now. That's it. So um, one of the five Grand Slam of ultra running events yeah. is in Vermont, the Vermont 100, one of the oldest, one of the oldest ultras in the country. Um, and, you know, when I was thinking about it, um, I don't know the answer to this question. Have you done the Vermont 100? No, I, I'm the big, big mouth again. 
my big mouth was like, oh, 100 milers, they just, they're like 25 minute five runners. They suck. Now, okay, 20 years ago they were, but like now you have 14, sub 14 minute guys on the track running 100 mile races and it's insane. I have not done it. Uh, currently, I am on my calendar. I have the 100K. I haven't bumped up that distance. And like, again, my big mouth, I thought it was really hard to concept to think about running 100 miles as a race. I just had that switch on where how do you turn the switch off where a hundred you're racing a hundred miles now doing some of these 50 K's like, you know, and being in Columbia, the Columbia race was amazing. And these, some of these mountain 50 K's Killington's still the heart, like the hardest terrain race I've ever run. Like that was just brutal. And the, you got a budget and just, it's a different type of race. Um, so I just got, I'm still trying to figure that mental mentality out and yeah, I'll be, I'm chicken shit. Sorry. So far just to jump in one. So I got to jump in a race that can get me into the, one of those races. So I'm going to do something stupid and run a hundred mile race or I'll enter. I'm going to enter a hundred mile race. Um, and I would love to have a qualifying race by the end of this year so I can bump up and maybe do, I've been, I've never been injured. That was me knocking on wood. Um, like I said, father, father time, I think just misplaced my application and I'm 40. I still feel 21. My body feels 21. And like, I know this is a probably family friendly show, but like, I'm still, I still look and feel 21. Um, and I, I just, I wonder like, could I do that? Why can't I? I, I don't break down. I recover well. I mean, trans Rockies, I just got faster the first year I did it. Every stage of the stage race, I just got, I got faster every day in a stage race like that's well how does that happen it's kind of weird like i don't know well your miles last week i feel great i don't know what's going on your 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 health and your durability um uh it it does stand out because you you know a a lot of your peers um uh you know have have had to have had to hang it up have had to move on to other things as they as they turn 40 um so i'm like dorian gray of running i guess just uh listen there's <laughs> like 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 most professional athletes um they are uh, very interested in their brand and their branding mm-hmm. uh and and you're no exception when it comes to to branding so um <laughs> so uh, it, i want you to answer this uh uh for the listener um what is wild neotony technically mean i knew that was i was ready for that i was ready for that so um technically technically josh what does it technically mean no i'm gonna ask you a follow-up question but give me the 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 textbook definition of wild neotony i know what wild is i'm not sure what neotony is neotony is a scientific trait of youthfulness in organisms such as like salamanders would be a good example. I don't associate myself with a salamander, but salamanders have that trait where they're born, they go through their life cycle and they always look a specific age. And so neoteny is um, some, Hey, some geeks going to look it up and one up me, but like keeping it simple, it is the youthful appearance over time to be super nerdy and basic. There's a longer definition. Yeah. So so I I actually looked it up. (laughs) I'm going to be that nerdy guy. It's the retention of juvenile features in the adult animal. Salamanders. They look like, they look like puppies all their life. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. So now that we got the technical definition out of the way, <laughs> yep. what does wild neoteny mean to you? Just, I still feel 19 to 21 years old. I can, I still feel really great. Like I said, I drive my wife crazy because I got a lot of energy all the time. Uh, wild neoteny is I hold on to a primal. There's just something about, I know you get what I'm saying. And anyone listening, probably if they're listening to you, they get it too, because they're outside people. They understand that they have that awe, A-W-E, awe moment. When you're in nature, the power of being outside, it's primal. You have it or you don't. I am a huge, um, like one of my, you know, the seven R gene, which is the adventure gene that we all, that some people have and some people don't, but that's how it explorers had. And so I fell into this primal mentality. My whole family heritage, if you link it back, comes from areas of endurance athletes, the Basque of Spain, you know, you have Slovakia with hard work. And there's a lot of, if we do like a genealogical piece, like it makes sense. Ference makes sense. Um, and I think one of the things with the wild piece is just always be wild. Like I just hate the idea of maybe going to work and just feeling dead. Like being wild is being alive, just having that deep breath and just being able to just go, just run, just be free, just have the wind hit you and just be out there, just be free. And the yeah. is holding on to those, just the playfulness, to be able to laugh still, to just laugh and have fun. And I know I'm, I'm a troublemaker. I get it. And that's on race day, you got race day fairness, but after the race, I'll chit chat with you. I, I, I'm, I'm approachable, I think. And um, it's just holding on to those youthful, just having fun, man. Just laughing. Like, I think there's so much, there's so many things that can make you pissed off and upset. It's like, just, just have fun. Now, okay. Now, occasionally you come out of the, you come out of the green mountains occasionally to, cool. to, to run and race on the roads, which is not wild, which is not wild at all. Um, so uh, yeah. So, so, Tell me about, tell me about that. Are you still, are you still, are you still racing on the roads? Have you, do you, do you, do you have no interest in racing on the roads? Um, you saw Planet of the Apes. You saw Planet of the Apes. The, the wild takes over. The nice thing about nature, nature doesn't lose. I mean, nature always wins. Nature always wins. So every road race I go to, you're going to see the grass coming through the cracks. Like I'm going to win. The wildness is going to win. Um, I, I just, I also don't really like, I just don't enjoy road racing anymore. I just don't enjoy it. It's, I don't need to run through your neighborhood. I can come to your house and we'll look around. It's fine. Um, the parking, the bathroom, just the doors that have been open for me and of opportunity in the trails, mountains, and ultra scene has just been phenomenal. Like, I, I mean, the experiences that I've been able to have by walking through that door have just been, they literally have been life-changing. I'm getting, you know, I, I run for Under Armour. It's a, that is a life changing opportunity for myself, my family, the kids I coach. I mean, my whole team was outfitted. Like it, it just changed the on the roads. I, I get I get a lot of chirping like, oh, you're not that fast on the roads. Okay, that's fine. Come race me in the mountains, and we'll upset. Oh, you're not that fast in the mountains. Like I, it speeds relative now, man. Like we don't have to do this game anymore. Um, I fell. There's some road stuff that I think I just want to do because I'm at a. It, it's coming back as fun, but I just left it because of the opportunities. Mm. Like I just, the road opportunity, running a 5k, just even if it's like, I, I would literally have to run under 15 minutes for the idea of that to be fun, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that work in to do that. I'd much rather 
put the work in and then have someone say, Hey, would you like to come to our race in you know, Oregon? I'll go come run Mount Hood 50. That sounds awesome. Oh, do you want to come to our race in Utah? Running these ultra races, I've been able to, you and a lot of other race directors, just for some reason, they saw a brand and big mouth. I don't know what it was, but we, I just met the right people for, to give me the right opportunities. And yeah, we'll I, talk- across, I want to make that really clear. I am incredibly fortunate and incredibly humble at the core level for the opportunities. Uh, these opportunities are sacred and I'm not ungrateful at all. I am the most grateful human to these. It's myself selfish. I am grateful for my opportunities. They're yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that's the, that's the great dichotomy that is Josh parents. There is the, there's the, there's the dude that, that, <laughs> that you see before the race and that, and that you hear chirping after the race. Um, and then there's the guy on social media who, who always, always, goes out of his way to express how grateful and how fortunate he is for all of these opportunities. Um, I want to give you, I want to give you an opportunity, I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to mention your other, um, uh, the, the other brands that support you. You mentioned obviously Under Armour who you're running for, but I, I, I know you're an, you're an ambassador for some other brands. So what, uh, what, what other brands do you, uh, do you, you want to take a moment and uh, shout out? Uh, darn tough socks. Hell yeah. Uh, Vermont company, um, and the Genesis story of how I was able to, um, secure a lot of these things is pretty, is very similar. Um, so darn tough socks is really neat. I do a lot of stuff with Jobo sunglasses. Like I mentioned Columbia a couple of times, Jobo sent me to Columbia, the guy, Nick Yardley, he, he left Columbia, uh, he left Jobo. Um, but he sent me to Columbia and like, that was a life-changing opportunity. I, 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 I will text Nick every so often. I hope that he hear, gets a chance to hear this, but he, Come on, man. That's a phenomenal opportunity. And it was a once in a lifetime thing. And we just hit it off. Um, and I just super grateful to that. And so Jobo sunglasses and he's no longer there. He moved on to another, um, adventure. Um, and I, I love untapped. I do a lot with untapped maple. They have a really cool business model right now where they're really trying to do a lot of support in for little businesses. Um, and then like, because I'm super anxious and hyperactive and excited. I've been dabbling with the CBD oil, uh, with best buds, CBD oils, which has been, they have also been life-changing. I had a really rough go in 2011 with Lyme's disease where like some of my friends actually thought I was going to die. I didn't get that news from the doctors, but they got my buddies did from like my mom and the doctors were like, yeah, he, you might want to go see him before it's too late. Like that's kind of scary to hear afterwards. Like I didn't realize how, but I had the bacteria, I had the meningitis in the brain. It was really scary. Um, so to have any opportunities moving from there, uh, what I did was I just was like, Hey, primarily aren't we hunter gatherers? So I'm hunting down when I want and gathering as much as I can. Um, I got one shot at this earth thing. So I'm just trying to just make connections with people. And I've been, like I said, the whole race day dichotomy thing, it's, I've had some amazing opportunities with some amazing companies. Amazing. I'm talking to you. If I was a super asshole, you probably wouldn't want to, you might want to talk to me, but it might be different. Um, it would, it would be, it would be, it would be totally different. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I'm a jerk on race day because I just, I care about my race. It's you have nothing, you and other people have nothing to do with it. Like don't flatter yourselves. I'm not here to like, I'm here to test myself at your expense possibly, but like, I'm here for myself. I put in a lot of work to get there. 
Um, let me be in my zone. Let me do what I do. Um, I was told by one of your former athletes that like uh, a race day faced it. Race day face Ferris is like, don't, don't talk to him. He's like, don't even go near him. He's like, he's his race day. He's in. I am. I'm all in. I got like game of Thrones theme song on my head. Like just leave me alone. I'm going to race. Let's talk afterwards. But people don't like that. They think that I'm, and I am coming to beat some people though. I will say that. I'll be dead. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I think those people just don't know. They, they, they don't know who the, they don't know that the, the totality uh, of, of Josh Ferrant. So you've been, uh, you've been running and racing for, for, for quite a while now. You, you mentioned that you just turned 40. I'm interested to know, uh, what's the most important lesson you've learned about, about running? Uh, don't be an asshole. <laughs> like, no, but like how, how this, the, the people that you meet along the way can really make, um, your life, your opportunity, just better. Like, so the greatest lesson I learned, like I said, I got booed in the mountain world scene. Like it was bizarre. People were rooting against me, um, which I loved. I love that. I came from that. Like, let's go. Let's, I loved, I actually loved it. And I still do. I still get excited. Just thinking about, it. I'm not getting excited right now. I'm just so, it's so exciting. But the greatest thing is that the, the people I'm meeting, I, I am meeting some amazing people. Like I had a person send me a text um, over social media who eavesdropped a conversation that I had with somebody else because we had a buddy that uh, one of my best friends, Greg Hammond and I, we had a buddy named Elijah Barrett who passed away. And as he was dying, like on his last thing, like, like last week's on earth, he just said, wow, we are a hundred times stronger than we thought we were. And I was telling a story about like an inspirational thing that I will, I will conjure some inspiration at times and just think about uh, things greater than myself. And like a random person heard this and tracked my Instagram down and then retold a story to me about how they were able to embody that story. We were sitting at a table. So she embodied the story and she dedicated the next eight weeks of training with that mentality. And she was able to finish her first marathon. Like I had no idea. Like it was just, but that moment in time, like we never know what anyone's going through. Um, and so like we have these, how we are inspired different people and how like I've been super inspired by a lot of people. Um, the kids I teach, the kids I coach, the people around me, like one of our, like I went to your race to be disruptive. Like I'm going to disrupt this acidotic racing. I'm going to just, I'm going to beat everybody. And then the first thing you said to me was like, dude, I love your warrior mentality. And I was like, I love this guy. Like I just use I, real is real. Real knows real. And the people that I've been able to meet, I've been super fortunate and just, my, my life is so much. I can't even, it's so hard. It's like a feeling. It's, I just feel so awesome. I'm so awesome. I feel so great with, about the people that I've met. Like they've been so instrumental in everything I do. And I don't have a lot of people say things to me. I, I really don't anymore. Like it's, it's a lot of love and it's a lot of like, and like it's playfulness now, but it's just been that's been really amazing. Like the people I meet are really absolutely amazing. Um, so that's the greatest thing I've been able to take from this is the people I met along the way. Yeah. So, um, so last, uh, last running related question, then I've got a couple of random questions for you. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you're, you just turned 40. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, um, what, what's the future look like for you in, in, in terms of running? Like where, 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 where is this going for you? What's the, yeah. What's the, 
what's the second half of this story going to look like from a from a running and racing standpoint? Well, I told you like father time forgot about me, but mother nature didn't. So I like the last three races I've gone to, she's canceled on me. I was like, come on, give me a break lady. Um, I, I, I feel like I want to like, I know that's the old, the whole, that's how it goes. It's like, Oh, you get older, you bump up in distance. Um, and I, I didn't realize at the time, like, Oh, you can't hack it at the shorter distances. You got to bump it up. I guess that's for me, but I'm also finding out that I just, the pleasure of being out there longer is just, where i'm at i think um i have some i i have some goals for some shorter stuff but i the the next act for me is to i think push my envelope um i literally said it today in the run i was like i you know i i don't mind breaking if i run like i okay like let that be the end like but i feel like it's not gonna happen that way i think i'm never i'm gonna be people's worst nightmare for coming (laughs) moving on i i want to try a 50 miler i want to get back in some mountain stuff i want to I want to travel again. Um, like I said, like I, I will gush about the opportunity of travel that I've had. Um, it's just been amazing. Like I, I saw a picture on Instagram. I sent the guy, I was like, dude, this picture is amazing. He's like, come, he looked at my Instagram was like, come race here. I'll pay for you. And it was Finland. I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> and so I just, how does that happen? Like, so I think I want to bump up in some distances and try some, just try something I haven't done before. And, you know, if I crash and burn, I'm, I'm pretty secure with my self of being like, oh, it didn't go well. Okay. People say whatever they want now. I'll, my ears are big. I won't hear nothing. I'm good. But I just think that I think I want to bump up some distant stuff. I want to try some different things. Um, I, I want to experience. I just want to have life experiences. And I think running in specific areas and where myself and my wife and my daughter can travel to, I think would be a lot of fun. They might not find it that much fun, but like <laughs> just checking different stuff out, just checking different parts of the area, our country, or I, I traveled to Europe first and didn't do our country. So I'm at an age now where I'm a teacher. So we obviously don't get paid anything. We all know we're poor, but um, so Venmo me at Josh Ferris. Um, <laughs> so but I think that like maybe getting some places and just doing some life, ex- I think life experiences. I'm trying to, it's a tough question though, because I still, I still, I'm so fast. I, I think I am. But they're thinking of no, I actually know I am. I know I'm fast. I said today on the run too, I was like, I think I'll run 430 for the mile tomorrow. And I do. I think I really believe that. I have no evidence that would support it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just those longer distances. Uh, you know anybody, let me know. <laughs> you, know you know any long distance races. All right. I've got – let's finish with this. I've got um... – I've got a section of my podcast that I'm going to, I'm going to trial with you. And, uh, if it, if it goes well, uh, it maybe, it, maybe it becomes a permanent part of, of the podcast. So you, yeah, you, you are, uh, you are my beta. You are my, I wanna, you're my, I'd be really curious for someone to look like, look back at the two of us ever. And like, I call us in our company, like what's not going to go well. Like, <laughs> like how could it not? You know what? Everything so far, everything has gone really, really well. So I, I can't imagine why these next three questions um, would would get us too terribly off the rails. But here's here's three, I love answering questions. By the way, I really three, I get okay. Here we go. Three random yeah. questions for Josh Ferentz. You ready? Yeah. yeah, ready. Okay, here we go. Question number one: What section of the bookstore do they keep your autobiography? Humor, sci-fi slash fantasy, romance, or sports? It's it's an all person a bookstore or an adult bookstore. <laughs> it's not specific. Okay, uh, can I have those options again? 
humor, sci-fi slash fantasy, romance, or sports? I'm going fantasy because it, it'll be it would be autobiographical. I would be like an autobiography. I would write it, and it would be some delusional fantasies. How I see it and how I feel it. It would be out there, <laughs> but truthful to me, like it would be the dead ass truth. <laughs> But then again, like, I feel like there will be elements of humor. I mean, the sex appeals beyond comprehensible. So, so can you, can you see, can you see how difficult that question actually is at first blush? It seems like it's a really simple question, but in, but in reality, it's not actually that simple. If I had to pin you down, you're, you're still going sci-fi fantasy. The fantasy more so like, when was the last, like literally you referenced the last time that I wore something over this beautiful canvas of a race. I don't wear jerseys. I, I'm just skin because that's what people want. <laughs> so yeah, I guess there is some sports in there too. Yeah, it's a tough one. Question number two. Qu random question number two for Josh Ferentz. Okay, this is exciting. <laughs> You're hosting a cookout and you can invite any three guests, past or present, real or fictional, human or cartoon, who are they? Only three. These are three oh. special guests, Josh. Three special guests. They can be past or present. And by the way, these are people either you've met or you haven't met. Past or present, real or fictional, human or cartoon. Who are they? Three special guests. And by the way, <laughs> I'm hoping I'm on that guest list because I have I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty amazing cookout uh, at the Ferentz household. So yes. Uh, please to answer that question, three guests, please. So preface, like I'm super, I have a super streak of um, my imagination. So like my first, like, it's probably not the sexiest answer because my first initial thing was like my three grandparents who I'm like, I would give anything to see them again. I would give just for one moment. Like I do, I've been doing this thing lately where I just imagine their voices in my head. And like for all you, I'm like closing my eyes and just imagining their voices. Um, my grandmother used to do this thing where she touched, like she just used to tap my hand. And so I've been doing that to myself, like doing that to my hand, the cell. So I would give anything to see my grandparents for one moment in time. Okay. I, I, I tell you what, you're, you're they're They're already on the list. Okay, good. So I apologize. Okay. So that's what that's no. my no, 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 no apology. That's honest. I'm I'm gonna tell you, I didn't realize, I didn't realize when I when I helped you make make the list. They're already on the list. Okay, all right, all right, so give, right. give me these three special guests. You're, like I said, we never know what people are going through. I've already been processed. That question's already been on my head. Uh, so my first my three that I'm gonna have there, um, Jennifer Conley when she was in Labyrinth. P.S. My wife reminds me of her, and I love that. I met her in person, and she was deliciously amazing to talk to. Princess Bride, Princess Buttercup, number two. And you know what? It's going to be weird. Like, and I'm, I'm at, you're already there. I'm going to do um, the Queen of Dragons from Game of Thrones. <laughs> I got to talk to her. She's got some. She's got. She's got. A, she's got some issues. Is it weird that it's? It's kind of a weird party, man. If it's just me and those three ladies. <laughs> follow up, follow up question. It's not actually. It's not. It's not on my card. But follow up question is, um, what, 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 what are you grilling? What I mean, what's, what, what, what's your specialty if, if, if you're having us over for a cookout? 
okay, so I love condiments. So we're going to do, we are going to do hot dogs because you can put all different condiments on hot dogs. I'm a mustard connoisseur. Like I get mental for mustard. Like it's, <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and okay, this, I don't not just to sound inappropriate, but like Jennifer Connelly, Princess Buttercup and Daenerys, Daenerys Targaryen eating hot dogs in my backyard <laughs> sounds mint. That just sounds mint. <laughs> Doesn't it not? I didn't have a reflection time. I probably can come up with that. Like I know philosophically, you might have someone be like, "I want to have Jesus and Gandhi and Oprah." Like, no, I'm not having. Oh, random question number three for Josh Ferris. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you've been quoted as saying, "I hate losing and would rather die than lose." Oh, yeah. So, what would you pick for your last meal? <laughs> Alan Iverson stole that quote 18 months after I said it in high school. So I want to make that clear. My last meal on earth is actually going to be something. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to go back in time. I'm going to have some wonder bread. I'm going to have some bologna and Goulden's mustard sandwich. Cause when I die and that's rotten inside my body, you, it's whoever's putting me in the ground and they can F themselves. But what's <laughs> no super unfortunate? Like you asked me what my last meal is, and I came up with a bologna sandwich with Goulden's mustard. Like that's the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> you're not you're not at all concerned that the bologna is going to stick to the roof of your mouth. That's the best part. Is like then you have a game of like how to get it down, what angle you come out it with. Like I just I just now I just feel super bad and trashy that the bologna sandwich and dollar nineteen mustard. Cause it's never not on sale is my last meal. I, I don't, there's so many great last meals, man. I just, and I went with the book, but you know what? It's easy. Cause I'm going to live to be 98 and bologna sandwich is probably the only thing I'll be able to digest by then. Josh, this, um, <laughs> this conversation has been, it's been, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been, uh, informative, uh, and, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I want to thank you for, for appearing on the show and, uh, uh, I want to have you back again. Sometimes it sounds like we've got a lot of other things to cover as well. Yeah, that's, this is great. But I, I felt like other people, I feel like other, I got forgotten about out here in Vermont. I've been by myself, my wife, and my daughter, like I've become irrelevant. I got shit. I, I, <laughs> we're my friends. I got none of my friends run anymore. I'm like the only, I'm like the last Mohicans out here. I'm Josh, so I, <laughs> I look, I look forward to running into you soon. I know. What, what do you got coming up next? Um, um, I, personally, I'm, I am, I am going to attempt to win a, an age group national championship in the javelin. I was, Hey, what did, would you toss last time? What was that? What you, what's it? What's your goal toss? Well, I, I, I've got to throw at least 40 meters in order to, in order to qualify for, uh, for the, for the U S senior game. So the, the New Hampshire senior games is this July and the qualifying standard is a little over 40, a little over 40 meters. So um, I've got to, I've got to throw a qualifying throw uh, in July in order to qualify for, for U.S. senior games in Pittsburgh, uh, PA next year. So 40 meters is, is what I got to throw. See, this is why we get along so well, because we still, we're not getting, we're not giving up, man. You put the bag over your head. I'm popping a hole in it. I'm still breathing. We still got life left. That's awesome. I threw a javelin in high school and like no one, like I would run the two mile and throw the javelin. So I got like a soft spot for the jab. 
we we uh, yeah we we have a handful of things in common. Uh, the the bologna sandwich as a last meal probably is not one of them though. <laughs> I'm like actually disappointed in myself right now. So like, <laughs> if, if anyone like, I always have this. I usually keep a blog and I called it smut writing, and like four people read it, and so I'd always ask for suggestions and I would get some. So if anyone has any better suggestions, <laughs> I can't believe I went with that to start. That's just I didn't think I didn't think. Of it. Josh, th thanks again for being on the show. Oh, bro. Thank you very much. It was awesome to see you and it was really exciting. Yeah. Thank thanks again. All right. Best wishes. Thank you. I'd say the guy wears his emotion on his sleeve, but he's rarely actually wearing a shirt. Now that is the interview I wish I had heard after first meeting him. Sure, he's outlandish on race day in sort of the same way Babe Ruth was when he called his home run shot in Game 3 of the 1932 World Series. But like Ruth, he backs it up. Well, if you liked what you heard, please consider giving the show a follow. And if you really liked what you heard, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at, at CoachChrisJNunn, so make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember... The secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.